It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, everyone, to Reliving the War, live and exclusive on the Grey Wolf Wrestling Network. My name is Nims Azor, joined, as always, by my tag team partner, Simon Tackler. This is the podcast where we relive the Monday Night Wars. It does what it says on the tin. We're into 1999, a very, very exciting time for the world of pro wrestling. It's really, really hitting that climb up to the peak of 2000. But there's still a couple of bumps on the way. And when we talk about bumps, 1999 WCW is one hell of a bump. As I as I try to comprehend what we just witnessed, Simon, Super Brawl 9, we've, we've watched a lot of WCW pay-per-views. We started off this podcast it at its white-hot peak with the NWO forming, and eventually it's tapered off a little bit, but it's been a slow decline. Do you feel like the last couple of pay-per-views have just been a huge drop off a cliff? Oh, it's been a rapid decline. You're talking about peaks and mountaintops. Let's face it. This is a mountain where on one side of the mountain, WWE is ascending to the year 2000. You know, their biggest year profit-wise and ratings-wise for the, the Attitude Era. They're going up. On the other side of the mountain is WCW tumbling rapidly <laughs> yeah. down the mountain. <laughs> and it's, it's sad an it's, avalanche it's... it is mayhem <laughs> now back in 99 i was in year nine so it's like um you're kind of past the awkward stage of well at least for me like you're obviously you know a handful of years younger than i am so for me it's very much like those years where look i mean year nine I'm not really a newbie at high school, so I'm really living and embracing the Attitude Era here. Like, I've got the DX shirts. We're doing choke slams near the lockers and stuff like that. You know, everyone's got their wrestling nicknames. Like, it's all that sort of stuff. For you, was it kind of the same thing where, you know, you're really embracing life as, I'm a wrestling fan and I'm loving it? Oh, absolutely. 1999, I was in grade six, and as I mentioned, at my primary school, uh, being into wrestling was a good thing. It was so popular in pop culture. Like, to like wrestling, you were a cool kid, which is, you know, for most other times of the past 50 years, isn't the case. <laughs> but put it this way, it was so popular that I remember a kid who never liked wrestling rocked up to school one day with the rock socks. Like, he oh, had a pair shit. of socks with the rock on them, and we were like, oh, my God, those socks are awesome. You know, we didn't think you really liked wrestling. And he's like, oh, I don't really. But my mum bought them for me because she said these were cool. You know, That's so cool. like, and and I don't know if you played, you know, into school sports. There, mm. there are those weirder sports. So at my school, for some reason, bat tennis was really popular. Oh, we were yeah, we had those little ones. School. So mm. anyway, in grade six, you got to order your own custom bat that oh. you owned and you could use for the games and you could you know, graffiti it or put any design you want on it. Everyone went home and did wrestling designs. You know, some people did NWO, nice and simple, or DX. One kid went so far as to forge the signatures of Sting and Kevin Nash and put them on his bat. And he was like, oh, look, my bat got signed by Sting. It's like, no, it didn't. But It's like, what, when he was at Kmart? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, at Northgate it... Plaza at Kmart, yep. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon you're right. It's funny that you mentioned the bat. I reckon there wasn't a ruler that didn't have like, you know, don't turn your back on the wolf pack <laughs> yeah. or something like that written on it. <laughs> like it was, it was just that sign of the times. But look, we'll get into Super Bowl nine and I'm um, full disclosure here. We're not being harsh. Do yourself a favor and watch it on binge or Fox on demand. 
And I dare you to say that we're being harsh on this pay-per-view. But uh, we'll start it off. It's a very weird cold open of Tori Wilson in a hotel room ordering room service with the main character from like a first-person perspective. So she's talking to the camera as if you were, you know, playing Doom almost in a live. As if and you he- picked the POV section of Pornhub. Let's not yeah. mess around. That is exactly what this felt like. I put it on my big TV downstairs, <laughs> you know, on the big TV connected to my Sonos speaker. And I was like, if my wife walks in, 100%, I can't say anything other than, yes, this is what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, you've actually at least you've got uh, you've got the benefit of that your wife at least knows who Tori Wilson is, <laughs> and would just she would have actually probably questioned why the f is Tori Wilson in a <laughs> hotel room to start off a paper rather than question anything else. But yeah, look, uh, it's he gives her a card to Super Bowl, and she's absolutely stoked. That leads us to a video package <laughs> of the WCW main event is spinning round like they were, you know, like standing in the middle of a microwave tray. <laughs> Oh, the, to go from the cold open POV porno looking video to that blurry, spinny video was <laughs> such a shock to the senses. Like, I almost threw up with that spinning video. It yeah. was terrible. It was hard to watch. Um, just absolutely insane. And also, I love you mentioned that the person in the camera, like the mystery POV man, he mm-hmm. gives Tori Wilson tickets to Super Brawl, and she is so excited. And she's like, oh, my God, tickets to Super Brawl. All my friends are going to be jealous. That's a faker premise than anything that's happened in a real porno. <laughs> no one exactly. is that excited to get yeah. tickets to Super Brawl. There are actually more pools cleaned on Pornhub <laughs> than people being excited to go to Super Brawl and being the envy of your friends. <laughs> Uh, now, so we, the main two highlights here are Goldberg versus Bigelow and Hogan versus Flair. So we should point out that Hogan versus Flair, that was big money in 1994, is the main event of this pay-per-view in 1999. And then, as always, we get our usual stop down with the three commentators and then a look at the a brief look at the tag team tournament. When I say a brief look, I'm talking about like a very brief look interjected with some very, very stiff promos from Benoit and Malenko. For some reason, even though the tag team championship match doesn't open the show, they played a promo for it here. Uh, And yeah, you mentioned the little quick promo bits. There's also a voiceover from Tony Schiavone. Mm. And can I just say, I know I've talked a lot of crap about him looking back at him in this era. I like Tony Schiavone, but looking back, I'm starting to remember why I didn't as a kid. This is a terrible voiceover, and you can, whatever, you can say, oh, well, he's a professional and a millionaire. Fine, he is, and he's a good broadcaster, but compared to what was on the other channel, uh, what we've seen with the WWE promos, whether it's getting Freddie Blassie to do those old, scary, biblical ones, or the Jim Fagan, you know, the NBA voiceover guy to do all the classic ones, or mm-hmm. even, and because this Todd is a Pendulum, guy who gets, like- I was about to say, a guy who gets yeah. a bad rap for some reason, Todd Penningill on those voiceovers from 96 and 97 absolutely blows this away. And not even just in comparison wise, those videos are amazing. This one is terrible. Tony Schiavone, not good at voiceovers. It's not to the extent where it's like Crusty the Clown, like line two, hey, hey, I'll do that again. Hey, hey. But it's very much like he just got out of bed and like, oh, that's right. I need to do some voiceovers. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And he's trying to explain the premise of this tag title match. Even when we get to it, I don't understand what was happening. I actually had to go online and check, and I still couldn't get it because <laughs> every time I looked online, people were like, look, I don't know what's going on. I actually don't know, and it wasn't even explained on Nitro why. So Okay, I thought it was me. We'll get to it then. No, we'll get, we'll get to it in just a bit. But me and Gene Oakland is there, and he's there with... Um, with the titles, the tag titles, and plugs the hotlines. Good to see me and Gene back after his brief little hiatus. Do you know any reason why he wasn't there for the past couple of pay I'm just going to assume it's what it was last time, and he was holding money? them up for money again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good on you, man, hey, Gene. You know what? I respect Gino for that, because I wouldn't put my name to this crappy <laughs> pay-per-view without a, without a dollar sign attached to it. Um, well, we get to our first match, which is Disco Inferno taking on Booker T. Wolfpack Disco. Yep, it is a thing. Uh, but one thing that did make me smile and sort of like after, I'm like, oh, God, that's right. He had that weird thing where he was sort of flirting with the NWO. But isn't that disco ball 
uh, entrance great. Oh, the disco ball entrance, but because he's in the wolf pack, there's a wolf in it. And yeah. they he doesn't use the wolf pack music. He uses the disco song, which is one of the best songs ever. Mm-hmm. He's using that, and they put a wolf howl like a, through it. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> Big disco now, uh, sucks chance as well. They they were all over it. He was over. Um, now, there is a clip of disco getting uh, choked out by Booker T from Thunder. And this made me think, is Stevie Ray still like a slapjack carrying NWO B team member? Or is he out of the NWO now? I don't know. It feels like they might be teasing one of the Harlem Heat reunions here mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. him and Booker were having a chat backstage and <laughs> Disco <laughs> walks up to them and tries interrupting. And he says, oh, is this a brother thing? <laughs> because they're brothers yep. in two different ways. And Booker yeah. T chokes him, which is pretty funny. I kind of wish that's what Booker T did to Vince McMahon when Vince McMahon used a different word. In a backstage segment. I absolutely cackled at this one because the (laughs) thing is, because you could also picture Disco Inferno in 2023 saying the same thing. (laughs) So um, all I got to say is um, (laughs) I've written down here, Disco wrestles like it's an Aki game. Good. Let him. Because I will say (laughs) this was an old, I don't care if anyone has bothered to watch this pay-per-view. This was easily the match of the night for me. Mm, and mm. It, was, it wasn't even close. This yep. wasn't a great match, but it was <laughs> perfectly wrestled like two guys who know how to wrestle. And they mm. were like, let's just go have a match. You're the bad guy. I'm the good guy. The crowd's into it. They like me as good, you as bad. We'll play to them. We'll build it too. They really, I, I want to give this match credit because it's one of the oh, only yeah. ones we can. It builds slow. They do some stalling and some crowd stuff. Then they do some, you know, reversals and running the ropes, old school spots. Then Plus they Booker get... is over as hell as well. They love Booker T. He gets like more popular as we go as the singles. They build to big moves. They do reversals of all their, um, you know, big signature moves. And it's just a nice match. And for yep. this pay-per-view, that is all we could uh, ask for. I should clarify too, when I say that this wrestles like an Aki game, I realize that um WTW and W Revenge came out twenty five years ago. <laughs> yeah. But what but what you used to do there is like so you do your moves and while you knock the other guy down, to build your spirit meter up, you then do taunts. And that's yeah. exactly what Disco was doing. He he was like nailing the entire gameplay of revenge down to a T. But you're right. It's did you notice too that Bobby the Brain Heenan seemed to have checked out this entire pay-per-view. Look, honestly, someone must give him a kick up the ass about halfway through, but you're right, especially in this match and early mm-hmm. on, there's something bothering him and he just... He feels like he's tanking it on purpose, though. Yeah. It's yep. not him like, oh, man, Bobby Heenan's lost it. It's like, he's doing this on purpose. Very it's much weird. so. To the point where Tony Schiavone starts to argued during the match with with Bobby the Brain mm. and almost but it's like that restrained arguing it's kind of like you know when you fight when it's like it's like fighting in a supermarket where it's like we're not going to do this here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where yeah, um, yeah we were only listening to it but if the camera was on them yeah you guaranteed Tony was just staring daggers through Bobby <laughs> now um there's a uh, Disco does, to Disco's credit, he does some great positioning and some blatant shuffling to get in place for the Harlem hangover. Yeah. And and I've written this down. It's a good opener. Mm. And Tony and Bobby argue during the replay. This was funny because Bobby was clearly just not with it. Tony's like, oh, why don't you take the replay, Bobby? Mm. And Bobby purposely, they show like about three replays after each other. Bobby just purposely is like, oh, oh, what are we up to? Oh, what's happening here? Oh, who won? Mm. And he just lets them all roll through till it's over. And I felt yeah. like he was doing it to stick it to Tony. Again, I've, I've written, yeah. this shouldn't be happening on camera at all. No, but no. I've literally written down, it sounds like they're about to punch on with each other. <laughs> that's how that's how bad it sounds. But uh, uh, next up, we got Chris Jericho. And uh, he, all I got to say is, what the hell is Chris Jericho wearing along with Ralphus? Uh, Tony Schiavone also has a quote where he says that Saturn wears a dress well, and then Brain ne- Bobby the Brain next levels it by asking if Ralphus is wearing panties or boxes, which really catches Mike Tanay off. 
Mm. Mike Tenay doesn't know what to do with any of this Bobby and Tony stuff at yeah. all. And yeah, he's really um, flustered by the talk of Ralphus's underwear. Can we? Can I just say though, Saturn did look mm. good in a dress. It was very well fitting. Oh. Saturn in a dress looks better than Saturn in the uh, beret and vest combo he tried a few months ago. <laughs> Hundred percent, and yeah, that that weird S and M tribute to the troops that we were told. That's right, <laughs> tribute to his military bars. That's what all the girls stripping say, Saturn. <laughs> now, Chris Jericho berates Saturn and calls him a cross-eyed, cross-dressing freak, which which got me a, a big laugh there. But um, now the match spills out in the crowd early. As Saturn does a great job wrestling in a dress. Oh, the entire time I'm just thinking he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, wrestling in this dress mm. uh and then for some reason he also strips ralphus but gets a drop kick to the back of the head for his troubles mm. um it's 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 a weird match because these are two good wrestlers and there are spots where you're like oh yeah this will pick up a little bit <laughs> but it's just like a meh sort of match sort of match i feel like yeah we thought that about their last one too it just never gets out of second gear um, mm. Jericho hits a unique move from the top rope. He does a spinning splash, which some people might uh, like to describe it. If you've ever seen Seth Rollins do it, especially back when he was, um, I think Tyler Black, he Tyler would Black, bust yeah. it out more. It's like a spinning frog splash where he'd <laughs> torpedo himself. Anyway, yeah. Jericho goes for that. Don't remember him ever doing it. He misses it. Both guys even trade lion salts. That's a cool mm -hmm. spot, but it just, Never goes anywhere. And then, you know what really annoyed me about this match? They're What's continuing that? the story with Scott Dickinson, the fat referee, oh, the ref. having yeah. a feud with Saturn based on some history that we've never seen on TV. There's also a weird 10-punch spot where Saturn's on the top turnbuckle and then puts the dress over Jericho's head. Mm. It, it You're right. There are so many little factors that just come into this match. It's like, you don't need this. Just no. keep it. Like, do a disco and book a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm good. You're bad. <laughs> Let's just wrestle. And and most importantly from that opening match, let's have an ending that's just an ending. Because we'll get yeah. to it on this goddamn pay-per-view. Oh, my God. So, yeah, uh, we get a, a Death Valley driver on Chris Jericho. That's prior to, uh, sorry, that's after Rings of Satin. But Jericho gets to the ropes. That part, it looks like, okay, now we're getting into yeah, it. Picking up. Sadly, but sadly, it's too, it's too little too late. Um, then there's a DVD done to Scott Dickinson, and Saturn just walks out to no contest. It's that It makes no sense. He leaves because we should explain the stipulation here was if Saturn wins, Jericho would now have to wear the dress and Saturn would be freed from wearing the dress. So yeah. Saturn gets a DQ and a count out and he walks out and he says to the camera, life's a drag, and he keeps walking. And it was like, so this is establishing that his gimmick is that he likes wearing drag. Yeah. Why did any of this happen then? Yeah, it, it, it makes <laughs> he might as well have just come out and done the Jeff Jarrett Bash of the Beach 2000 line in the middle of the ring if that's what they're trying to do. Mm. Like it, it in that it makes no sense there. Or just come out DVD Scott Dickinson, walk out. Yeah, and say I like the dress. It was yeah, I like good. the dress and screw you, Scott Dickinson. Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, next up it's Ray and Conan at WCW.com. Uh, they're talking about Ray losing his mask, and then we get to a. It's a. It's it is what it is. It's a. It, it's not bad. It's not good. It's actually one of the better WCW.com things. I think Conan was one of the few people that actually got that. Mm. Uh, um, Conan Jericho Eddie Guerrero was also pretty good there. Yeah, by trying little... to at least forward a story in these little yeah. internet segments. Yeah, uh, and then that leads to a video package of Scott Steiner where he's trying to take Kimberly Page. Watching. Those Scott Steiner, those Scott Steiner videos in 2023 is a very weird thing. Oh, it, Big Papa Pump was a very uncomfortable character and yeah. really pushed the envelope. It's one thing that we all talk about, you know, the Steiner memes now and Steiner math and all the funny promos and everything else. But this was a hell of a heel character. Yeah, you know, Scott Steiner felt unhinged and. Again, pushing the limits of what would even be acceptable now. You couldn't do this character on TV now, especially the WCW version. Definitely not. Yeah, and he, and he really sort of... It was toned down in WWE in 2002, mm. but 
I'm guessing that's because they're a publicly traded company <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah, gimmick um, of roided up sexual harasser probably doesn't fly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. At least not on camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as I said that, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> um, uh, but that leads to a match uh, up next is Chavo Guerrero versus Billy Kidman. Bobby the Brain is incre- incredibly, uh, I should point out too, that while they're doing the entrance, Bobby the Brain Heen is making some incredibly sexist comments towards Kimberly Page. <laughs> Is he during this match? I didn't notice. What was he saying? Yeah, at the entrance, he's basically like going, like siding with Scott. I'm like, well, she's there, isn't she? And you've seen what she looks like, Tony. And it's just like, brain. He just wants Tony to say it out loud. He's trying to put him on the spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, Chavo also seems less. uh, He has he shit the the crazy. Eddie is my favorite wrestler, Pepe sort of thing now, because he just seems normal. We're way past that, and I'm really disappointed because all Mm. of that only played out on TV. I didn't realize none of it happens on pay-per-view. We haven't seen him do any of it. It's all over. They said Pepe has been um, destroyed. Right. Remember the ashes? Bloody uh, Norman Smiley threw it in his face. We're done with Eddie is my favorite wrestler and Pepe. I feel like that was they went for much longer. No, or I does, guess they didn't. I guess because I remember him riding the. Because I remember vivid memories of him riding the horse on like yeah. thunder. So there you go. Thunder ages you. That, that's mm. that's what we've learned here. All we've got left from Chavo in WCW is the misfits in action. Chavo, mm. General Loco, Lieutenant yeah. Loco, Lieutenant Loco. Yeah. yeah, Lieutenant Loco. Because um, because uh, he's Mexican. Morris. Hugh Morris is huge erection. Yep. And uh, yeah, I can't remember the right. Re- oh yeah, and um Tylene Buck is major guns. Of course. For obvious reasons. Mm. Um this match is Chavo actually he he's he's just dominating Kidman here. It's basically Chavo destroying Kidman in a squash match. I'm gonna be honest, I'm glad you said that because I have no idea what happened in this match. I absolutely it started and I was like, oh yeah, they're doing some nice moves. And then it was just like white noise. I zoned mm. out and I was like, I'm not rewinding any of this show. And then I just saw Kidman hit a shooting star and that was it. So this is what happens. I don't know how much, how long I'm at. I think it's like 10 minutes, maybe give or take. Nine minutes 50 is basically Chavo beating the crap out of Kidman. He goes to powerbomb Kidman, but as always, you can't powerbomb Kidman. Mm-hmm. Kidman reverses it, does the shooting star press, and that's it. Wow. So I've written nothing. down here. I've written down here. Uh, you can't power by Kidman. A reversal leads the, into the shooting star press, and that's the match done. Despite Chavo dominating about ninety percent of it. Wow, I'm glad I wasn't paying attention. I'm also glad so, I didn't lie, and I was like, "Oh, what a great back and forth cruiserweight." No, match. no, no, it wasn't. It really made no sense. It's like it's like someone just did a like a game shark code where it's like sap Chavo's energy at the end. And it was like, you know, in Mortal Kombat, there was a cheat where one hit kills. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what happened here. God. Yeah. Um, We get back to that hype video for Bigelow versus Goldberg. And I got to say, it is one of the better video packages that uh, WCW have done. Although every time I see him do his little mule kick, it makes me just go like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. We know where that's going. Hmm. Um, we'll get to let's let's get the the tag match finally. One we were talking about at the start of the show, Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham versus Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. I've just written here that Barry Windham looks like an out of shape Dean Ambrose. <laughs> um, he kind of does. Can I just say <laughs> what what's sad about this match? On paper, it's such a good idea because this is like two of the best in ring workers of ever for the decade of the nineties versus two of the best in-ring guys of the 80s. So on paper, it sounds awesome. What if you Mm. took Malenko and Benoit, you put them against, you know, you could argue their counterparts, and we'll do a tag match. Wyndham and Hennig in the 80s were the best, you know, in their any promotion they were in, classic matches, blah, blah, blah. In 1999, Kurt Hennig and Barry Wyndham are not the same guys. Definitely not. Definitely not. And uh, also, someone else who's not the same, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I've written down here, he just seems to be in a real shit of a mood today. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> uh, i got to say, Hennigan and Benoit have a nice little vicious exchange with slaps. 
uh, a power into the corner, then uh, chokes Hennig. Oh, so he chucks Hennig to the outside. I found this interesting. They make note that Benoit hasn't won a title in WCW yet. Uh, Concern the fact he's only there till the end of the year and he wins so much. Like, how accomplished. Yeah. Like, don't you find it crazy? You're right. That is interesting. They mention that and it's weird because when you look back, he was a tag champion, a, a US. US champ and a world champ. Yeah. Did yeah. he ever win the TV title? Who knows? But um, yeah. they oh, went. No. Did Booker win in the best of seven? Actually, yeah. Hold on. Did Benoit never have the belt during that best of seven yeah. rivalry? Yeah, because it was kind of like the um the best of seven rub was kind of like the best of seven that was in AEW where whoever had the title oh, okay. un- un- until until the seven matches are done, then it changes hands. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's amazing that like towards the end of his WCW tenure, they're like, Just take all the belts. Just take them. <laughs> yeah. Um Benoit also st- stars very, very heavily in this uh match as he takes on both dudes. He also does his world-famous snot-blowing that was quite famous in 99 WCW. Um, yeah, it, it was a pretty good match. It's 20 minutes long. It's too long, I thought, mm-hmm. for what they were doing. It felt like at times they were doing moves, but there was no feel or story. They were just doing things. No, they're very much going the motions. Suplex, then a guy will stand up and do a headlock and then do an arm drag. Uh, can you explain why this was best of three, but not really? So, from what I from what I've been able to find on the internet, um, because Lord knows I'm not going back and watching those nitros. Uh, th- apparently, these guys have already met in the tournament, which doesn't make sense because mm. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a tournament with brackets, like you know. And if you lose, you're out of the tournament. Yeah, but somehow these guys have already met. In during Nitro in the tournament, and at that time, uh, the the two teams already met on Nitro, and Malenko and Benoit lost to Hennig and Barry Windham. I don't know, maybe there was like a double chance where they got back in. So because of that, essentially the first fall, all Barry Windham and Kurt Hennig have to do is win one match. Mm. If Benoit and Dean Malenko want to win the tag team titles. They got to win that first match, which then cancels out the previous loss, and then win again in the okay. final. So it's the Benoit, most convoluted thing you'll ever th- hear of. So it's best two out of three for Benoit and Malenko. Kind of, they have to win two falls, but they can only win two falls in a row, really, because if Windham yep. and Hennig win one fall, it's over right away. So yep. hypothetically, if Barry Windham and Kurt got the first fall, this would have just been over. That's it. Yeah, it's done. But Benoit and Malenko get the first fall because Wyndham taps out to Dean Cloverleaf. Malenko's Cloverleaf. And then we get yep. one of the stupidest endings <laughs> I've seen on this show. <laughs> because this show had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. How do you even Black explain Cl- it? <laughs> so essentially, uh, Barry Wyndham then takes his belt off and chokes Dean Malenko. Now, bear in mind, Bell is rung. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. Like, first fall goes to Malenko and Bar- uh, goes to Malenko and Benoit. First fall, it's not a two out of three falls match. So they've cancelled out the last match. So ignore what you know about two out of three falls matches. <laughs> he ends he, Then he ends up choking Malenko. Like, gets him down. Because Malenko is being choked, he gets the pin in about 30 seconds. And Wyndham and Henny get the win. And then and he the, throws the belt out. And the match is just over. Yeah. Because the referee is looking at Hennig and Benoit. Benoit, yeah. During the choke, and then he holds the choke close to his hand so mm-hmm. the ref can't see it. But And, and the belt's kind of covered by him as well, yeah. Yeah, the belt's covered. This is just <laughs> absolutely one of the worst finishes I know. to a match. And not even in a, oh, you dastardly heel. Just the, the rules were confusing. The setup was confusing. The way it happened felt cheap and... And, and, and then the match didn't wasn't even, even good. They didn't even explain at the start. Mm. Like, for something that's so... Like, even at the Kennel of Hell match, they explained, like, the, you get a video package to show you what led to this. Yeah, say what you want about WWE. We're in the year 2023, and every January, every Royal Rumble, for two Royal Rumbles a night, they'll get the ring announcer to go over the goddamn rules. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. This, so this was this was the first break I took in the show. I stopped, yep. and I'm like, I can't watch more of this. <laughs> I, I told you, so we, we. I actually had to watch this in chunks because, like, I knew. I because I, I remember I remember liking this paper a lot more, but I think it was because it was one of the few, first live WCW papers I got on main event at the time. Because I remember taping it on like VHS and not rewatching it. it was one of those like put in the background <laughs> while you do other stuff ones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that I had to break this into like you know I'll watch I'll watch a match here, much there. Nah, that's it. I'm done. Um, next up, it's a quick little video package of Scott Hall versus Benoit, and then we see Bret Hart lose the United States title thanks to interference by Will Sasso from Mad TV. Should we take a quick moment to talk about that little feud that happened? Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> so it's wrestle crap to the max. Mm. Uh, Will, it, 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 Will Sasso was a dude from Mad TV, which was, I was going to say, a popular TV show at the time, but it was kind of like a, a budget Saturday Night Live. Was that the best it was way like to say? an edgier Saturday Night Live, I always felt. And and you know what? I'll say this on record. I thought Mad TV at certain points was better than SNL. They yeah, would like show those... it late at night on TV. What channel was it on? It was. It would just come on late at night on like a Saturday every yeah, now like and then we'd swim. get it. Yeah, and I'm telling you, sometimes you'd get good stuff on Mad TV and no hate on Will Sasso. That man does some of the best impressions of, I've heard. Jesse Ventura, Steve Austin, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But we don't need him on TV feuding with Bret Hart. No, no, we really don't. So the the entire the reason that Bret Hart loses the US title is thanks to interference from a cast member from Mad TV. Full stop. That's literally it. <laughs> So next up, we've got the Outsiders with Lex Luger and Miss Elizabeth versus Ray and Conan. This is a mask versus hair match. Uh, a lady in the crowd is very excited when Kevin Nash, uh, when Kevin Nash greets Oaktown Cali. Mm. <laughs> Although I got to say, Conan wins hands down the crowd interaction. If we're doing a little war here, I couldn't believe it. I my note was. I can't believe how much they love Conan's bullshit mm. still. And mm. and they do. Credit to him. And there was a sign in the crowd. <laughs> it was just so bad. It was one of those things, like, I'm sure the person thought it was creative. But it said, if you're not down with the wolf pack, I've got two words for you. Hey, yo. That's definitely yeah. something that would be written on a school, like, uh, diary or something. Yeah. yeah, very much so. Well, that would be I'm someone's... Um, you know, on a message board back in the day, they mm. would have that written as their quote, you know. I actually believe that if you go back to like, I don't know, my my 1999 MSN, remember how you could put like a little subtitle after yeah, it? Exactly. Mine would mine just said something like, it's survey time or <laughs> another win for the good guys. But not this guy making up his own catchphrase. That's yeah, like I yeah, Can mate. I just say you're you're the music guy. What was mm. Ray's theme song at the time? Because that was awesome. The one he I was had. Thinking, I was thinking that too. And yeah. I wasn't sure because because I didn't watch the um the uh, a W like an official stream. I I downloaded it from a torrent. So and I was just thinking like, oh, so maybe they they left that in. Because it's pre-filthy animals. Yeah, it's not psycho. He's not using not the psycho Conan either. classic psycho. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, I don't, I don't remember it being th that little window there, yeah. but there you go. And it's not his cool little lucha theme either. No, it's like a it's a mix of hip hop and you know Latin music. It's really good. Yeah. Tell you what, Rey Mysterio has had an underrated run of great entrance music. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, even the um even the the Buyaka Buyaka six one nine has just it's become iconic. Because remember when I first because remember when you first heard it, you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know why? When he debuted in WWE, he had the who's that jumping that out jump, the sky? Yeah, at the sky. Yeah. That yeah. one was good and suited him. And I remember when they changed it, we were like, why did you it's, change it? But, especially with just the Buyaka Buyaka. Like, you know, like yeah. is that even Mexican? I don't think it is. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because to me, Booyaka is like Ali G. Ali G, <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah, hey, and, and, and not only not only that too, Booyaka was like like at its peak was like a two thousand two thousand and one. They and were right, yeah. <laughs> but it's but, like um, Sting becoming the Crow five years late. You know, that's true. Yeah, it's wrestling. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, uh, my next note here is just Bobby the Brain is really, really being a shit. <laughs> oh, this was hilarious. Bobby Heenan just laying into Rey Mysterio saying, ooh, ooh, I'm crying about my mask and saying, you know, go back to Mexico. Go back to Mexico, if yeah. If you want to wrestle here, don't wear a mask or don't cry about it. And then when Heenan, uh, sorry, when Shivani and Tanae get so angry at him and they're about to break and they're like, oh, that's that's disgusting, um, Bobby. You know, he just wants to be in WCW and, and wrestle and bring his lucha. And Bobby and just goes... Yeah. And Bobby goes, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This man always fights for what he wants. <laughs> and you just know that was so angry. But it was oh, great. I it think was, that was the point where he finally just, like, showed his cards and, like, I'm trolling you for whatever, for whatever reason. Something must have happened. <laughs> uh, Bobby's been a real, real shit here. But um, Ray is also getting grossly outpowered. Um, it, it's crazy just how much he gets the crap beaten out of him in this match yeah and and you know what it was good i will say like after booker and disco this was the first match that felt like well executed and smooth and professional credit to scott hall it's 1999 even though he's not the same scott hall of 97 and 96 and even parts Mm -hmm. of 98 scott hall brings it here when he's in there with ray he always had great chemistry with smaller guys and the yep. opposite for Ray. Ray was always good with big guys. Ray and Scott Hall was really fun. Ray and Kevin Nash was really fun. The crowd is really into this. Um, Kevin Nash. Conan taking on both guys too also is pretty cool. I was going to say, Conan gets a huge hot tag because he's getting revenge on them for turning his back on him. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nash even takes a massive bump for Conan over the top rope, which he wouldn't normally sell like that for everyone. So I think that was cool. This match was getting really fun. Ray does another hot tag, comes in, he's doing cool stuff. And I'm like, man, a lot of people, you know, hate this match because it's hair versus mask. Of course, if Ray loses, he'll lose the mask. If the NWO loses, Liz will lose her hair. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought, man, this match is really fun. Who cares if Ray lost his mask? We all know it works out in the end. I'm just going to enjoy this. And then like most of the other matches on the show, the ending ruined it. Yeah, yeah. I also just quickly want to add to the to the yeah. Conan love here because is it just me or did Conan look in better shape than he did in previous kind of pay per views? He looked in better shape, but he was also wearing a very tight girdle. <laughs> or something. I don't know. I don't know what that was, but he had something strapped real tight to his midsection. <laughs> really like beefed up his upper body. Really because yeah. I was just like, that can't be Conan. He's, <laughs> he's looking a lot less George Costanza than normal. Well, the trick um, was wear a corset. That's wear it. a corset. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you're absolutely right. But this is where it just delves into absolute crap. Liz distracts the ref from Ray Mysterio covering Kevin Nash as Hall gives uh, Ray the razor's edge for the pin. It's just unnecessary. It, it it doesn't seem like that. I don't know. They try to build all these matches, and then I don't know. Someone says you got to go home now, and then it just <laughs> interjects because it's. We've had so many matches in this paper where it's just like, oh, dude, we've run way over. You got to you got to finish it up now. Yeah, Saturn. Could you just leave the ring right now? And you know, <laughs> yeah. and then in this match, it's like, oh, quick, quick, just give him the edge, give him the razor's edge, and just pin him. Yeah. There's also a point in this match where I think it starts to get from this match on the referees forget the rules of pro wrestling yeah there is blatant interference from lex luger and liz where like lex luger is beating up conan and there's no way the ref couldn't see it and there's just no dq there are no dqs from this point on in this show yeah it's it's so bizarre but the uh, announcers don't even try and cover and like oh Oh, the referee. The, ref- the referee knows that this is same, how much is at stake, so he must be turning a blind, you know, like all of that kind Nothing. of crap that they try to throw in. It's just literally, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's they're probably, like, too distracted by Bobby being a dick. Oh, yeah, all that. <laughs> so Ray unmasks as the NWO start mocking him and they wear the mask. It's actually a good, like, when you see Ray take off the mask, like, his facial expressions are so, like, he sells it, like, the mm. crushingness. Out of all the unmaskings that WCW did, I reckon this is probably the one that probably worked out the best. Yeah, and, and I will say, Rey Mysterio definitely sold it well. Um, even when he's leaving the crowd, 
he feels like defeated but also proud, like he's giving everyone a high five because this is his, you know, yeah. home state. He's in California. He's giving everyone a high five and he feel, still feels like the hero even though yeah. he kind of got screwed there. And again, he's a good-looking guy. Like, you know, yeah. he he's explained that's kind of, that was their argument, you know. The Scott logic, Paul yeah. Said, hey, man, you look good. Why don't you wrestle without the yeah, mask? Why, why wear a mask? Yeah. But at the same time, I, I can't remember. I feel like some of the old-timers have kind of explained their thinking, like whether Bruce Pritchard or Jim Cornette or whoever. But the mm-hmm. argument that, like, losing a mask versus mask match where it's you're a luchador like this, there's no point because nobody knows who you are. You unmasking, like, oh, oh, it's that guy. I don't know who that guy is. Yeah. You not wearing a mask doesn't do anything. If it's revealed that, oh, my God, oh, wow, that was, um, I don't know, X-Pac the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Wrestling as Rey Mysterio. Like, yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Why are we meant to care what he looks like? I don't know him. Yeah, and it's funny too because, but I guess see, because they've also explained it too. I've heard in numerous interviews with like Sami Zayn, where it's just like oh, the reason that you're so emotive is because you're so used to wrestling with a mask that um, that like he like have you noticed like all of his facial expressions are so good because and the, the logic behind that is just like oh because you've been wrestling for a mask as Generico so much that you had to like go extra to do facial expressions i can see both sides of the camp there but hmm. yeah it, it's oh no, no i'm just okay. saying the yeah. logic of why a crowd why there would be any investment of what the guy looks like what do i care well, what he, he looks like yeah if, if he took it if he took if he took the mask of it was like the elephant man underneath you might yeah, be like yeah. <laughs> kind of like when psychosis finally unmasked and we're like yeah. oh is that what he looked like <laughs> what that one oh okay i will say that one was a shock right yeah, Look good. All good. <laughs> when, Great. When Fantastic. When psychosis. It was like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, next up, uh, also, just as a side note, do you remember that uh, uh, during the Nexus storyline when John Cena was fired mm. and he was doing house show loops as Juan Cena? <laughs> Juan Cena. I wish that made it to TV. It was yeah, kind of like he... in NXT, they did it years later as well, where Elias was banned and he was El Vagabondo. Or El whatever. Vagabondo, yeah. It was not on TV much, but it was good. That was Elias's best stuff, I thought. You must have been at the, uh, when he did El Vagabondo in that dark match at TakeOver at 33. Yes, in Orlando. And it was <laughs> yeah. super over. And I it was so sitting in the crowd. Um, who was I with? I was with our mate Scott Falstead from Muscle and oh, Fitness. Oh, yeah, Muscle and Fitness. Yeah. And we were like, this is really good. He should do it on TV. And he never did, but it was good. Yeah, very, very cool stuff there. But yeah, uh, the mask debate, it will continue. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott Steiner is taking on DDP next. Uh, Scott Steiner's TV champ at the time. He comes out and he picks a random lady, air quotes there from the crowd, and warns all the men watching that if he wants your woman, he'll take them. <laughs> he'll take them. And you know what? The crowd's into it. They love Big Papa they Pump. Did. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, weird. of course. He Please doesn't have be- the full yeah. rap down, though. He just does the simple version of, you know, Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you yeah. hear me. I yeah, like it when it got longer and longer. Didn't quite have the cadence either. It was just kind of like, it's like he's workshopping it. <laughs> and he's unsure. Because sometimes Scott Steiner, the funny thing about him, he should be the most confident man in the world. No one mm. looks like him. No one's an athlete like him. He's a once-in-a-lifetime freak. But there are times where he always feels real um, insecure. Uh, you never get that, where he looks like he's not comfortable for whatever reason. This was one of those times. Just, But it breaks through his confidence. I've got to say, if you want to see the ultimate peak Scott Steiner is TNA Scott Steiner. <laughs> Because that's where that's where he does that small joke, you know, he's fat and all of that sort of stuff. But my personal favorite is there's a there's one where he's interviewed by uh, the backstage interviewer there, whose name escapes me. Um, but he's just like, "How dare you talk to me like that? I'm an educated man from University of Michigan." <laughs> he's, <laughs> just, he's just so good. There's no one else like him. But um, DDP. Absolute takes no uh, BS here. He's not even doing his proper entrance. He just runs straight to the ring and charges uh, towards Scott Steiner. It's a pretty, well, and I like that because it's a grudge match. He doesn't do his usual shtick and it makes sense for DDP. He's one of the few characters that evolved and actually like, you know, like, oh, he does what a normal person would. I'm injured. 
I'll tape my ribs for this match. I'm angry. I'll storm the ring for this match. It's a street fight. I'll wear jeans for this match. DDP, you're right. He always goes above and beyond, puts in the extra little bit of psychology. Can't hate on DDP. We love Scott Steiner. This match should have been good. It was good in parts, but I just couldn't get over the referee being an absolute dumbass and not enforcing the rules because at one point buff bagwell walks out and Mm -hmm. just then he starts cutting the turnbuckle pads in front of the ref he cuts two of them the referee sees him cut two and the ref's like oh buff you better leave and just never fixes the pads and lets them use it in the match and when we say that he's undoing the turnbuckles, like it's not the usual, you know, undo the ropes. He's got pliers out pliers. and he's he's cutting each rope. And he even gets as far as to move the turnbuckle almost towards the middle of the ring. So if you were like to the extent of the tag rope. Mm. Yeah. And it's Charles Robinson too. So it's not like he's like. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, um, some, you know, heel ref even. Mm. It's just yeah. Charles Robinson. Yeah, so uh, um, there's... Oh, did you also see there was an epic chair shot by Steiner on DDP? Yes. And again, <laughs> no DQ. Yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, Scott Steiner whips out a Frankensteiner and then... Uh, which was kind of good, yeah. Works the lower back of, of DDP because that's part of his move. That's how... That, that's, that'll really impact the Steiner recliner. But then... Uh, he works on the lower back of Page on the exposed turnbuckle as well, which is kind of cool. He, but he does it. He hits about four power slams into the steel turnbuckle. That mm. should be a DQ. Yeah. The referee the very- just says, oh, no, oh, and just lets him do it. Yeah. Uh, or at the very least, like, you know, like, no, enough of that. Do it on one of the other turnbuckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, <laughs> yeah. he just does all four of them right onto the steel. And then he does the Steiner recliner. And it's over. Yeah, because DDP does the, you know, like, oh, he's passed out for the pain. He never gave up and does a stretcher job. But, yeah, like you said, another match where it never quite hits its stride and just ends, like, on a real sour note. Yeah. I I remember, like, I've heard um, Eric Bischoff talk about it on 83 Weeks when they're going over some of these pay-per-views. He says, even looking back, he thinks the thing that let WCW down were finishes. They didn't have a finish guy finish like guy, WWE yeah. had Pat Patterson. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that knowledge has been obviously passed down to certain wrestlers now. You can see it in the way that they do endings. But in WCW, felt like no one could put a good finish together for, for whatever yeah. reason. Or, no, no, they could do a finish if it was, you know, Disco and Booker, just a straight-up pro wrestling <laughs> ending. But when it came to creative stuff, they just had no idea how to do it. Yeah. It, it was just sort of like, look, it's either we do it really, really like vanilla or, I don't know, do we have someone hit it, like blatantly hit someone with a chair or <laughs> or have the NWO run in? Yeah, yeah. Like, let's just think about some of the all-time finishes in WCW. Starcade 90, what is it? Starcade 97 with Hogan and, and Sting. Absolute mm-hmm. mess. Starcade 98 with Nash and Goldberg and the Taser. One of the most hated finishes ever. The finger poke of doom. What are mm. you thinking? Hogan and Warrior with the flash paper that didn't work. Like WCW um, is just, it's all crappy endings. Um, even New Blood Rising 2000, where the where the commentary team's like, Goldberg's not sticking to the finish. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like to that point where they've basically just gone, uh, yeah, it's where they've basically just said, well, yeah, like, hey, we don't have a finish guy. And now they're just improvising. Mm. Yeah. Really, really silly stuff. But um, we then lead uh, to another WCW.com segment with uh, Mark Madden with Bam Bam Bigelow at the internet spot. This leads, that's to lead up to their match, uh, which is after the next one. Scott Hall versus Disco Inferno versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, Disco stalls until Scott Hall comes out. Now, is Scott Hall, I thought that, like, you know, the demons on screen part was done here. Mm, maybe not, but- yeah, I guess I guess not. Look, but uh, Scott, what I thought was Scott Hall's doing double duty here though, because he wasn't meant to be in the hair versus mask match. It was meant to be Luger, but Luger yeah. was in- injured. So Scott Hall, credit to him, he's having two matches here. Yeah, very much so. Um, Disco stalls until he comes out. Mike Tanay has a very good fact here, where he brings up the history of Rowdy Roddy Piper winning the U.S. title back in the 1980s during the NWA. But uh, all I got to say is 
I've written here, Piper's fighting like it's a WrestleMania 2. Okay. I will say, I love Scott Hall and I love Rowdy Roddy Piper. For the first couple of minutes of this match, I was into it because they were just doing like shtick. So Scott mm-hmm. Hall threw a T-shirt at Piper. So Piper threw his kilt at Scott Hall. Then yeah. they they traded like wrist locks, which were dirty because this guy would, stuff. would yeah. but they'd mix it up with pulling hair. And that's both their style, really. It's like kind of a little bit technical, but some brawling mm. and cheating. And it was fun for a while. But then it got to the point where right in front of the referee in the ring, each guy hits a low blow. Hmm. No DQ. It's, and, and no DQ or anything like that. I, I've written down here, um, 99 Hall is a shadow of 96 Hall, and both guys look absolutely cooked, and Bobby the Brain is still being a shit. <laughs> this match, yeah. Now, the, and, and the thing is, even for the good parts of this match, which there aren't a lot, it's just a weird curiosity for a couple of minutes. Just like clockwork, when it's time for the end of the match, we get someone walk out. So we get Kevin Nash this time. Mm-hmm. Nash is out. Does he even really do anything? No, he just wanders out. It's Disco that does all the shenanigans. So Disco, what even happened? They distract him and Hall rolls up Piper. Yeah. Disco interference by the... Uh, I've just written Disco interferes by the plenty here. Hall gets a roll-up, puts his feet on the ropes for the win, and post-match, they carry on for a little bit where Piper doesn't give him the belt. Yeah. But that's it. So the end of the match, Hall doesn't hit Piper with a move. No. He doesn't catch him by surprise, really, where, oh, what a battle they've had. Oh, now he's rolled him up and cheated. He literally stacks him up like he's pressed the button in WWE 2K for a roll-up pin. And then he pressed dirty pin and put his feet on the ropes. And that was it. And I wrote, I won't swear, but I just read, who the F booked these finishes? Yeah. You also missed another thing. I've just written here, post-match shenanigans, Nash appears. Full stop. Uh, That's it. Hall gets on the mic after the match. Does he? And he's like, yeah, he did real quickly. And he's like, like, give me the belt, wasn't he? Give me the belt. And then Piper got on the mic and said something which wasn't even... English. Yeah. And then he throws the the mic. All of this felt so messy. And this is where I took my second break during the <laughs> Because I it, it he he took way too long to be like, you want the belt? Come and get the belt. Want the belt? Come on, get the belt. You know, and then Piper of... wouldn't even sell the beat down. Hall and Nash, mm. two of the biggest stars in the company and two of the biggest threats. They hit him with some punches and whatever. Piper doesn't sell it. He just rolls out of the ring and runs away. It's all very yeah. weird. Yeah, he basically does the... It's a Hogan finish. That's what it is. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, next up, it's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Goldberg. Uh, no music for Bigelow during his entrance. And Goldberg is still getting a good reaction from the crowd to the point where there's a sign where it says, like, Goldberg is kind to animals. Did you see that one? No, but that's pretty funny. That's real, like... That's a great observation. Was that trying <laughs> to be like, oh, ooh, Goldberg, everyone loves him. That's kind yeah, of yeah. and weird. Yeah, it's not too bad. What about um, the guy in the crowd that they zoomed in on in the front row who had a real Goldberg barbed wire tattoo? Yes, oh, I did say that. They were a dime a dozen back in like 98, 99. How many guys would have walked into tattoo shops with a picture of Goldberg and said, give me one of these? And how many guys that actually got that just had basically a big hunk of meat for an arm? <laughs> yeah, Goldberg yeah. at least had these like definition where this just yeah. looked like Someone went down to a souvlaki shop and said, put it on that. <laughs> on the big shaved meat kebab thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, this match is kind of like, this match piqued my interest a little bit because Goldberg's dominating Bigelow and it's kind of cool to see um, a guy as big as Bigelow get manhandled by Goldberg. Yeah. Oh, look, the early parts of the match, um, Goldberg hits a world's strongest slam on Bam Bam pretty much. But he Mm -hmm. holds him for a while, too, which is very impressive. Crowd's going mental. He then hits a standing fireman's carry or an attitude adjustment, if you prefer. He hits that on Bam Bam into an armbar. And I'm like, damn, you know, this has been a long-running feud. Hang on. on. Can I I interject? Because I've I've written down here. Goldberg also has the world's shittiest armbar. Oh, it's not a good armbar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've learned that over the years that, like, Goldberg's fake MMA doesn't always look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Goldberg's fake MMA is actually quite deadly. <laughs> oh, well, that no, um, he's 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 his attempt at pro wrestling is dangerous, but yeah. his MMA doesn't look like it hurts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The stuff that the mixed martial arts is the safest thing he does because it's so ginger and, and delicate. <laughs> but like the safe things, like you know, closed fist punches. <laughs> Here's a reference um, no one would get, but it's like that guy. Have you seen that movie Kung Pao? Oh, yeah. And well, you know, the, the guy who they've taught like to lose or whatever on <laughs> yeah. purpose. Anyway. Um, yeah, there, there's a bit of a momentum shift here because Bam Bam lures him to the outside and starts working on the lower body. Uh, Bam Bam slows down Goldberg with uh, what have I written here? Oh, the yeah, world's longest hold. leg lock. Yeah, yeah. Rest holds a go go, but yeah. Goldberg stops Bigelow with a moonsault? Did I write that correct? No, no. It, so Bam Bam goes for a moonsault, but Goldberg ah. just chucks him off the top rope. There you go. Yeah, because I'm like, Goldberg is not doing a moonsault. What the <laughs> hell did I write down here? Uh, that turns the tide. A spear and a kick to the head. Then jackhammer, and we get the win. Mm. Look, it's an inoffensive Goldberg match. There needed to be more here, I thought. Somehow this went for 11 minutes and they did like four moves. Not that you have to do a lot of moves, but there's a point with that rest hold where where Bam Bam is doing the leg lock and it just kills the match, absolutely. Mm. You know, you want a good good template for a big, for a a long Goldberg match? WrestleMania 33 against Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Like you got to do it like that, and and Bigelow is good enough to do that. But you know, at this point in time, I think they're trying to, like you said, the finish. The finishes always kill them because at this point, Goldberg's no longer unstoppable. He needed to dominate Bigelow, but at the same time, he can't have Bigelow looking like a chump. So it's a lose lose here. If this match happened two months ago at Starcade, I think it honestly would have been better. It probably would have, yeah. When the crowd was just dying to see it for whatever reason, they had something there with Bam Bam and Goldberg. And Goldberg hitting Bam Bam with two spears was really weird too. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like he forgot that's what he was going to do. So he hits one, then he hooks up the jackhammer, and then he's like, oh, better throw you off and do another spear. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it is it is what it is. It's so, it, the thing with this paper, this so it gets to the end of the match, and you're just like, why the hell? What did I just watch? Mm. Uh, speaking yeah, of which, I, I wrote with that. I said, what a shame. After their big feud, this is it. And then after the match, I will say they turned on the fake cheer machine after the match for Goldberg. Those Goldberg chants weren't real at the end. (laughs) Um, uh, Next up, it's time for our main event. And Michael Buffer seems a lot more switched on today as Hogan comes out, I thought. He's always switched on when Hogan comes out. I think we've established (laughs) that. Hogan Hogan gives him a bit extra. Um, I've written down here my first note is Hogan versus Flair. Again in 1999, and uh, what I thought was interesting was like there's a real Wolfpack vibe here because both guys are in red. <laughs> they are. I will <laughs> say Hogan coming out to the Wolfpack music is just so wrong. Mm. I hate it so much. The fact that the NWO merged into the Wolfpack as heels with Hogan and all those guys, nah, bad decision looking back and out of time. I didn't think it was good. And it also, I, I still remember Hogan tried to do, tried to be a bit too clicky. Like, have you noticed, like, he kept doing the little, like, the two sweets all the time, way overboard during his entrance? It was just, yeah. Because he um, was never cool. He was never meant to be the cool one who did all that. Yeah, but he was jealous, I think, and he wanted to do it all once he joined the Wolf Pack. There's an episode of Nitro, and I can't remember which. It, it's probably close. because it's be, It's before Road Wild, because... It's during the infamous, like, the the spaceship logo, or as Eric Bischoff likes to call it, the cat's anus logo. Yeah. Bit, and where he comes out to the Wolfpack team theme, and he's wearing, like, uh, do you remember there was the Wolfpack, sh- the NWO shirt, where it had, like, the the red and white sort of light from the back, and the NWO logo is in black? Kind of looked like a Rising Sun logo, yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and... He, Hogan is walking down the ramp, and the entire time he's doing like the "Yo, don't turn your back on the Wolf Pack," but, but he's talking too much in the camera, trying to, and it's just like, "Oh, dude, shut up!" Either yeah. pick one, pick, do the gestures, and get the f out. Like he really wanted to be cool at this point. It's like that famous yeah. meme photo of him 
where he's wearing the baggy uh, Jenko short, uh, baggy <laughs> jeans or whatever. He really yeah. wanted to be like a hip hop guy at this point. Yeah. Uh, so F- Flair and Hogan, um, Flair gets busted open very early in the piece. Hogan gets his weight belt out, does the slapping. And I've just said, we're really going through all the hits here. Flair Hogan gets a hits of- Flair with a chair right in the head and there's no DQ again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Hogan starts bleeding. Flair does, a, Flair does a low blow as well. Yep. Like, it's just... Uh, and out comes Tori Wilson. Yep. If you need the match to get worse, here's a run-in. I will say, before the run-in and before the match went downhill, I'll give Hogan credit. He was moving here. I thought there were parts of the match where it looked like he was putting effort in. I think he always put in a little bit more effort when he wrestled Flair. He was hustling yeah. a bit. They even did a suplex on the outside of the ring. That was yeah. kind of good. They're trying a little bit, but yeah, just stupid. I think I think with the old guard, Flair, uh, he gives a bit more. Like Flair, Piper, to an extent, uh, Macho Man. But it's up when he's up against like DDP and you know like, anyone. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, no thanks, bro. That doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> he doesn't trust him. But yeah. yeah, as you said, Tori Wilson comes out, who doesn't have a name yet. Yeah. Yeah, she's just that lady. And do they um, do they acknowledge that she was in the hotel room? They don't, do they? They keep saying that's the woman we've been seeing on Nitro. Yeah, okay. There you go. There you go. But yeah, um, so Tori Wilson comes out. Charles Robinson is down. Oh, no. And then out comes a masked man, and he shoves. He, stu- he stuns Ric Flair with, one of the, with the little taser. They're getting their money's worth out of these tasers, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, Hogan gets the win, and would you believe it? David Flair is the masked man. Yep, and then he kisses Tori Wilson, and Hogan celebrates, and then Kevin Nash walks out, and that is the end of the show. Yep, I, the last thing I've written is we end another WCW pay per view with the NWO standing tall once again. <laughs> what even okay. happened on the last show? I can't even remember. Put it that way. I- Let's see. Well, because I got my little handy little notebook. Because it wasn't is- Starcade. That was two months ago. Now, the last one that we watched was, oh, my God, I can't, sold out, 99. Uh, and the last thing that happened there was Scott Hall versus Goldberg. Oh, Spear that's and right. That, that was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, Spear, Spear and Jackhammer and a horrible camera cut to the entrance is Bigelow enters. Hall and the NWO get the last laugh. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so where do we start with this one? <laughs> I don't know. This may, you know what? Not even May. This was easily the worst show we've done. Full stop. Yeah. In the three yeah. years of this show, hundred percent. The the absolute drop off a cliff in WCW is crazy. If we're talking MVPs, I can't go past Booker T. <laughs> it's Booker T. It's Purely it. because he seemed to be the only one that was switched <laughs> on and actually showed up that day. Everyone else was just phoning it in. A horrible pay for you. That's all we can say. <laughs> this one, we might have to start doing reverse MVPs. Who's the mm. least valuable player? Who tanked Charles Robinson. the worst? Yeah, you're Charles right. Ro- <laughs> Charles Robinson. <laughs> Terrible officiating, mate. Call a DQ. Enforce the rules. Do something. Terrible officiating. The commentary was bad. Oh, mean yeah, Gene right. is literally only in one segment at the start. He's like, I'm out of here, guys. Remember Mean Gene used to anchor the shows? I'm pretty sure we named him MVP sometimes, even when yeah. the shows were good, because he was the thread that, like, he'd in sort of waved it through. Yeah. Backstage, he'd sell the, the feuds coming up. Mean Gene's and- like, I'm going to show up once. I'm going to give you my phone number, and I'm out. Yeah, and that's it. I, I do not want to be seen anywhere else. Don't even put the number up. That's how little I care about this. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, uh, it's not too good. But um, we did mention at the end of the last show that we, like, even though chronologically this show came after the WWE one, just to sort of keep the WWF, WCW, WWF, WCW, our next show that we will be doing for Reliving the War will be St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which is now on Binge, I should point out. And uh, I started watching it some, and it it's interesting. I'll put it that way. I know 1999 for a while is pretty weird for WWE on pay-per-view. <laughs> um, I, I When I watched all the Raw episodes back from 99, I thought the shows were going to be weird. Raw in 1999 on TV is very entertaining week to week. It's just crazy stuff happening. But I have a feeling some of these pay-per-views... It might not be good start to finish. We're always going to get 
the thing with the WWE, we're always going to get a good main event. Main mm. event, they're going to put effort in. It's going to be, you know, epic. But the rest of the show, I have no idea. I will say this. From the bits that I've seen of some Valentine's Day Massacre, because I only started watching yesterday, there's nothing in it that makes you go, well, I can't believe I sat through that crap. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, our next uh, edition of Reliving the War will, of course, be St. Valentine's Day Massacre in your house, the second last in your house that is there. It's on binge, so if you want to watch it yourself, you can do that. I've been Nims Azor. On behalf of Simon Tackler, we'll catch you next time for Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.